Hi there, folks. We are back with another episode of Civ Call, the podcast for the most civilized siblings. And as always, today we have my fantastic siblings, Chase and Sarah Gooding. Great to see you, Georgia. Isn't it, Sarah? It's always a great day when I get to see our younger sister. Oh, you're too kind. How are the two of you doing on this fine day? Well, I, for one, am doing great. We had our first rain of the season, and I just made myself a hot cup of coffee and sat on the porch watching the rain fall. Boy, am I jealous. That sounds much better than the day I've had. Oh, no. When I talked to you last, it seemed like things were great. Oh, they are. They are. Nothing is actually wrong. I just made the mistake of logging into Facebook this afternoon. Now that is a good way to ruin an afternoon. Social media really does just make me miss the days of written correspondence. Back when we updated people with an email or handwritten letter instead of being expected to air our personal happenings for all to see. And being expected to look at the happenings of people we wouldn't recognize in a grocery store. Yes, yes. Well, I suppose all of that would be all right if it weren't being for being forced to see some of the asinine things people write in the comments. It sure would be nice if platforms like Facebook could just ban users of such distasteful ignorance. Yes, Georgia, it would be. Free speech can be a real bummer sometimes. Well, actually, social media sites are completely in their right to ban any kind of speech they want. Free speech doesn't prevent them from doing that. Now, that just can't be true, can it? No, it really is. Social media companies are private entities and don't fall under government jurisdiction the way public spaces do. So sure, the government can't penalize you for the opinions you post on Facebook, but it doesn't mean a private company is required to tolerate it. But is social media not, by its very nature, a public space? Well, according to my personal favorite First Amendment lawyer, Ken White, In all recent decisions, the Supreme Court has come down pretty strongly in favor of the rights of businesses to regulate speech as they see fit within their own platforms. That's so fascinating. So how is it possible that the Supreme Court prevented Trump from blocking people on Twitter? Shouldn't that have been the decision left up to Twitter? That's a good point, Georgia. Now, Chase, correct me if I'm wrong here, but that was a very specific and narrow ruling. If you block someone on Twitter, that prevents not only you from seeing what they post, but them from seeing what you post. That's exactly right, Sarah. So in this instance, when you have a government official using a platform to disseminate public information, blocking people is akin to restricting certain persons from accessing public information. Oh, okay. Now I can easily see why that action would be deemed unlawful by the court. Folks, we're going to take a short break to hear from our sponsors. This episode is brought to you by Salad Nicoise. Have you ever gotten a tasty salad and decided it didn't contain enough non-salad ingredients? Have you ever wished that you could have cold leftovers on top? Well, now you can. With cold green beans, or Erico Vert, as the French say, and potatoes, you can now enjoy the classic side dishes that would typically be eaten hot, and next to a meat course, atop a bread, a bed of lettuce and salad toppings. What I love about a salad niçoise is that people often don't know what it is, and then I get the joy of explaining to them what goes into a proper salad niçoise. Salad niçoise, seared is better, but canned is fine. 
Hey everyone, we're back with Chase and Sarah Gooding talking about the First Amendment. Now, siblings, on the subject of social media, this free speech argument on the web goes both ways. Not only do you see instances where you wish more speech was banned, but it's also very common for individuals who have been silenced on these sites to claim that their free speech is being violated. That's exactly right. And like we said before, it is simply not the case. No one's speech is protected in a privately established forum. What's particularly interesting is that the most vocal faction of people who tend to complain about violations of their free speech are also the type to spout speech that wouldn't even be protected by the First Amendment anyway, like violent language or hate speech. That's an excellent point, Sarah. I had never thought about how ironic that was. Well, actually... I think you two are buying into a common misconception about the First Amendment. The idea that hate speech isn't protected free speech doesn't actually have any basis in the law. Do you mean that it's perfectly legal to spout racial slurs to anyone? Essentially, yes. There is nothing about hate speech specifically that exempts it from First Amendment protection. It would have to include another exception that disqualifies it from being protected speech. Something like a threat, for example. So it's not enough to use a slur. You would have to say, use the slur while expressing a desire to harm someone. More specifically than that even, the First Amendment doesn't protect direct threats. Uh, but you'll find that most language that is considered to be an incitement of violence is still protected speech on account of being vague about toward whom it is directed or by lacking clear intent to act. So in other words, if I said, Georgia, I am going to kill you, that would not be protected speech and I could be prosecuted. But if I said, I hate all gingers and I want them to die. I am perfectly within my rights? That's exactly right. Now there are some loopholes that can make this a little more complicated. Fighting words are one that come to mind. Ah, yes, fighting words, which the Supreme Court defines in Chaplinsky versus New Hampshire as words that by their very utterance inflict injury or tend to incite an immediate breach of the peace. Exactly. So basically this means that if what you say is determined to cause reasonable likelihood of a dangerous or violent situation, they can still be punished by the government. That sounds like it is giving the government a lot of power to apply the specifics of context to any speech and find a way to justify its lawful suppression. Well, in some ways that is true. But the more recent iterations of the court have tended to fall more consistently on the side of protecting speech when these gray areas arise. Well, that is all the time we have today, folks. Thanks so much for joining us for this fascinating conversation. Thanks to my wonderful siblings. And as always, stay civilized. <laughs>